Hi and welcome. It's SV Pod. Stanford Steve is here. Say hi to everybody, Stanford Steve. Hi, buddy. Hi, everybody. I've been doing this for 20 some odd years. I want everybody listening to the podcast to know this is take two of the intro because I did such a lousy job setting up what's the easiest thing to set up that I felt like I needed to do it in a more concise fashion. We'll talk some U.S. Open. Handed out John Rom, giving out a favorite, Steve. That's my new thing. This You're fall, red hot. All favorites on winners. The hell with it. You won't do it. I, I absolutely won't. But we gave out Rom and he won. We'll talk about that. Talk about me and Steve out on the town watching yeah. some games. But was it fair to say that the, our guest this week was the man who won the weekend? Besides Rom, yes. In the NBA world, of course. Look, no Rom, become, Rom becomes a major champion. And, uh, yeah. Obviously, if you say he's the right answer, no argument. But what Kevin Herter did in Philadelphia on the road, scoring 27 <laughs> points, was massive. And we got that whole College Park thing. It's not the brotherhood. No, it's not. It's better than that. What's better than the brotherhood? College Park. Dudes having each other's back. Let's chat with Kevin Herter. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. And action. All right, we're joined now by the man that was the star of Game 7 for the Atlanta Hawks, scored 27 points. They win on the road in Philly. Eastern Conference Finals begin Wednesday night in Milwaukee. It's Kevin Herter. And, there's, Kevin, there's a lot to get to from it. I just want to start with from then when it ends. You got a headset on. You're the man of the moment doing the interview on TNT. Philly fans are yelling God knows what at you. You walk into the tunnel giving away jerseys. Like the world's going bananas from then to now. What has it been like for you? <laughs> I mean, it's been a lot. It's obviously uh, just after the game, it was all a whirlwind. Um, walking off the court, in a lot of ways, in disbelief. It was almost like everything happened so fast. It was like from Gallo's breakaway dunk. I think that was the moment. It was like, like holy crap, we just won this thing. And uh, everything from there on, and you know, you, you're shaking hands with teams after the game. All you're trying to do is get back in the locker room. <laughs> um, and just like the support we had, obviously, we had, we had fans traveling to that arena. You get back in the locker room, you have – you have Quavo there dancing for us. We're playing his music, and um, he got your jersey, game, right? Yeah, he was back in the he was back in the tunnel. He walks back. He's like, he's like, hey, let me get that jersey. It's like, oh, it's sweaty. I can get you another one. And uh, he's like, no, nah, I want that one. So we took it off right there, and he followed me into the locker room. And um, I mean, obviously, the text, the social media, all that, as much as you can imagine, has been crazy the last twenty four hours. How's that work? You give up that like maybe after the fact, you're like. I might kind of like to have that one. I kind of balled out in that jersey. Like, wait, when do you get, what's the get back for that? <laughs> uh, we will find out. That is something I'm definitely uh, <laughs> got to reapproach with him to see uh, what the return is. But I don't know. If, if you know Atlanta, he's someone who's been a, he's a big Atlanta sports fan. Um, right. 
he's a obviously unbelievable rapper nowadays. So it's it's a lot worse people you could get your jersey to after a game no, seven no. victory. I know I'm old, but I know who that is. I'm just trying to figure out what the you know, like when when you and Wade swapped jerseys, you got his. So like, what's the game right. back? I'm sure I'm sure you got time to sort that out. Now, right. my guy, my guy Stanford Steve is here, Kevin. If I if I'm if I'm getting my if my Maryland is showing too much here. Steve, you can you can help me out. Oh, I got Maryland questions. Don't never worry. Thing. We'll, 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 never, well, so never do I. Too much. So so do I. But here's what I've got from my guy Herder here. So you scored 27 and ball the bleep out. And afterwards, everybody's got jokes. It's like, I get that you're okay, you're a white guy with red hair and it's Rick Astley jokes. It's like I, I mean. Like you won a contest or something like they missed the fact that you're a top 20 pick. I'm just trying to figure out sort of how the disrespect I, I, it, I bothered me. I just wonder how you process when what you do, what you did to some degree was turned into some kind of, hey, you lost to this guy kind of thing. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of that's always kind of been how it's been with me my whole career, really every step. It's like, it's, I'm the unassuming guy. I'm the, the flyer under the radar guy. I'm the one that you don't necessarily pay attention to right away, but you hear about me later on. And I mean, even when I was going to Maryland, I was getting, it was like, I was a, I was a top 50 recruit and I was in Maryland and, and every fan, even at Maryland around they get there. Oh, this guy's a four-year guy. He's a four-year, he'll be great four years. Maybe by the time he's a senior, he'll be, he'll be a player. And you know, other guys that came in with, I mean, Anthony, Justin, all those, all maybe two years in the round. And it was like, I was the guy that wasn't one of those. And um, it's just funny, like, you know, Mr. Basketball in New York and everyone from the city is going crazy how it's not Shamari Pons or, or Jordan or like all these different guys in New York, Kamadu Diallo. And it's just like, I was a guy who proved that. I was a guy who won it. And, uh, and it's zero disrespect to those guys. It's more just like, there's always been you know, the hesitancy towards me and towards that coming up. And that's just how it is. And so um, it doesn't bother me. I think it's, it's something that I've been able to fly under the radar until I'm right in front of your face. And it's like, you know, and you're on national TV and you can, and you can prove it, you know, you're in front of all those guys and and you can prove it in front of everybody. Was, was the plan that was that the plan? Because I am watching and you're hunting your shot and I'm trying to figure out, all right, you got a bit of a height advantage on, on Curry. But is it the type of how much of it is that's the plan going in and how much is just sort of, all right, well, he's feeling this. And Nate's like, you got the green light, do your thing. Yeah, we went into the game and it was it was honestly it was Bogey and Gallo. Um, you know, Bogey was banged up before that one. He's got his, his knee thing before game seven. And and they both told me, it was like, you need to be aggressive. You need to take shots. And you know, Bogey told us in shoot around. He's like, I'm going to play, but I'm going to affect the game in a different way. And. And Gallo came up to him before the game and he pointed at Bogan and he's like, you need to take his shots. And it was kind of one of those, like, if you're aggressive, like, we got a chance to win this thing. And if you're not, like, you know, most likely we're going to be going home. It was all just, like, aggressiveness. We need you hunting hunting shots. And, um, I mean, my first my first three, I feel like, was that. It came off the screen and just pulled it. Um, and that one falls. So you're like, okay, now I can take the next one. And you take the pull-up pull up 15 footer you take the next pull up 15 footer you take the next but like once you keep making them you're allowed to keep taking them obviously so you make your first couple shots the rhythm gets going the confidence goes there uh right after better crowd to silence philly or new york new york (laughs) new york by far philly wasn't philly wasn't you know as bad you know they're they're obviously they're a loyal 
proud to their own people, but they didn't come after us too much. And it's, I, it's funny, like being past the New York series and like, you hear all like, all the history of New York media and all that. And like, it's, you don't really realize it till you're truly in it, but it's no. like, there really was not hatred between our two teams. There was no beef for the regular season. Like they beat us three times and it was like, like whatever, like we're going to go and we're going to play again in the playoffs. But it was like the whole narrative and the whole hatred felt like it came from like New York media and they kind of created it. And, you know, we're, we're three minutes into game one and, and New York crowd is Jen F U Trey. And they're like, Oh, why is this guy now the, the enemy of New York? It's like, I mean, you were telling them to go F himself three minutes into, into game one. And um, so it's kind of like, it, it brought that out in us in a lot of ways, gave us our competitive edge. And um, I mean, we want to take care of them, but that was beating New York there, especially in their building was a great feeling, especially how the series started. Take me back game five, the comeback. Like, I always make fun, like, on the broadcast. Like, it's just a coach saying, all right, guys, you got to keep trying hard and, you know, take, take open looks. Like, but at some point, the guys on the court, whether it's in between a free throw or if Trey says something like, how does that – how does that – you get the momentum to muster that up and just keep believing, keep firing, and like, hey, you know, we could still do this. It's, it's, it's within striking, in striking distance. I mean, Coach Mack, he just kind of keeps pushing different buttons. And, you know, that was a game where I really didn't have it going. Um, uh -huh. Bogey didn't have it going the way he's capable of. And it was like – it was it's really all year. It feels like someone different wins the game for us or, or has a huge impact. And he puts in Lou Williams. And Lou Williams has a Lou Williams game. He starts just banging shots for us. And he slowly works us back in the game. And he rides with Gallo at the end. Gallo's playing the three. Um, and then we get under a minute or two minutes, whatever it was. And, and it was Trey's time and Trey takes over the rest of the game, but it was coach Mack. He just, he plays with whoever's playing well in that specific game. And we got so many guys that are capable of taking over games like that. And it was, it was Lou's chance. And, uh, you know, he came through for us big time. I just have to interject one thing on Lou Williams. He's always been one of my favorite players. Cause I just, I love his mentality and he seems like the coolest dude who's ever walked earth. Is he that guy? I mean, is is he who I think he is? Just like the smoothest, mellowest, best dude you could know. Yes, it's like his presence right away when you're around him. It's like this guy's he's a living legend. He's been around a lot of people. He knows everything you need to know about Atlanta. Um, he's, he's played with a lot of greats in this game. He's got stories for days and. He's that. He's just calm, cool, and, and he's Lou. He's uh, he's Lou. I'm trying to pick. I'm trying to picture empty gym. You, Lou, Trey, Gallo, Bogey. I'm forgetting guys because it's the the league. Everybody can shoot now, but empty gym shooting contest. Who wins on your team? It's some different. It is every day, but you know, Bogey's a machine. He he really is. He was someone very early this season. It's like me and Trey. You know, when we find a rhythm, it's definitely me and Trey have been going back and forth for three years and it's kind of alternating days. It's like when Bogey gets locked in, like the guy's a machine. And so with same with Gallo. I mean, Gallo doesn't do like make 10 in a row, make this in a row. Everything Gallo has to do is is like movement shooting because he'll literally rattle off like 50 out of 55. And it's like and it's nothing. And so those guys are machines, especially when you get them in shooting competition. So everything we do, we always got to make a move. And you got a chance. I got. I have to ask a Trey Young question, and I'm going to just ask it now since we're talking about this. And and I need you to be honest with with your old pal Scott. How far out do you look at and go, "What the f are you doing? What? Where's the place on the floor where you look at it and go, 
I, I mean, and I know that they go in. That's the thing about him. Yeah. So, I mean, is there any point on the floor where it's just you, you just kind of think, I can't believe he pulled from there? It's really not. It's like, I mean, how many times has he he made a shot and he points at the logo to show us yep. where his feet are? It's yep. it's really once he's inside a half court. Um, for us, I think it's it feels like every time if if we get multiple passes and it's almost like he has the ball at the end of the shot clock and he has it out and someone's come to set a ball screen, it always feels like that's when it goes in. And it's the ones where sometimes in transition, if it's a heat check, those are the, the hit or miss. It's percentages and it's high, but it's like, it feels like he always makes the late shot clock times going down and he needs to get one up from half and he bangs it. Uh, I have a more important Trey Young question. You're looking at us on a Zoom. You know what we have on top of our heads. <laughs> and we can't, Scott and I can't watch a game and just not like, do guys get on him? You're the same class as him. So I figure like you could give him some razz. Like, is, is it ever going to change? Does he care? Does he use it as fuel? Like his hair is something that I've never seen. And obviously he's got the game to back it up and he could do whatever he wants. But I just like, there's gotta be guys that, 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 that want to make comments or maybe, you know, try and help him up that way. Yeah. As your, uh, as your teammate, as his brother, you know, that's uh, that's something we stay away from. Come sure on. No sure one he, said a word to him. He's got to hear it enough. It's okay. uh, Look at Herder's hairline. That's Herder's something we got, leave alone. Herder's got All Lego right. hair. You're never going to lose your hair. It's infuriating <laughs> to look at that. Like, that is a tremendous, uh, tremendous hairline that he's working with. That's not even fair. Kevin, I'm you, holding, mentioned, on to it. you mentioned, Scott asked you about the shooting contest. Like, when I go on the road for work, like, and I'm at your guys' NBA games, like, I'll always go early because I want to see these guys get shots of so Kyle Korver is a guy that comes to mind to watch out, watch, uh, you know, work out before a game. Ray Allen was something I've never seen. Buddy healed was actually, I was blown away. How do you, do you, do you have to do the same, like get the same amount of shots up before a game to know that you're ready? Like how many, is it, is it 500? Like those, you guys are dripping in sweat before a game. Yeah, it's a feel. It honestly is a feel. I know that a lot of guys, for me, it's, I need to break my first win. So it's, you know, my warmups, I need to get to a point where I'm breathing heavy, I'm breathing hard, I'm, I'm sweating a lot. Mm -hmm. So then the start of the game, it's not, you know, the game isn't a shock. It's not your first rotation, you're out there like dying. You know, what am I doing? So you know, your warmup has to be an extended warmup, especially when you're doing an hour before a game. So it's all feel, you know, I think a lot of guys have the same routine once you get up and, you know, your pregame warmup on court before game, you know, once you get up over that 100 shot mark, I think after that, it's like, all right, let me, you know, make 10 more. And if they feel good, I'll stop. And if not, I'll keep going. But um, it's definitely feeling you got to break your first one. All right. You need you. I just want like being like a six man, like you started every game at Maryland, didn't you? Yep. Everyone. Like, have you ever thought about how different it would be? Would you do anything different if you came off the bench? Not really. It's, I yeah. mean, it's definitely an adjustment. I mean, even my first two years here, you know, I started almost every game and this year with all our injuries, I've started almost every game. Mm. It's, it's almost like when you're, when you're coming off the bench, when you're in limited minutes, you know, each minute counts that much more. So they have to feel you more in each minute where sometimes gotcha. it's easy when you go into a game and, and we've had, it feels like so many injuries in the past years and have just played young guys. The others, there was, I think a point in my career it was like over the month of March, I was, I think led the league in minutes and it was like 38 minutes a game I was playing. And it's, it's easy in those 38 minutes to coast and maybe you take eight minutes where you're, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to last for the next eight minutes. And uh, when you're coming off the bench when you've limited 
time that you usually have as a starter, you got to make each one count. So I guess in a lot of ways, your aggressiveness goes up. Nate McMillan's impact on your team. How do you best explain it, Kevin? Organized, um, tough, um, just calm. Like he's, he's just got this calmness to him. He's got this confidence to him that, you know, when things get tough, he's calm. When things are great, he's calm. It's, it's next play mentality. Um, how, it's confidence, how, it's belief. How much does his experience with what you guys are going through for the first time as a team, he's been through these, these types of battles. How much do, can you lean into that? Like what he knows that you guys just are learning. It, it's funny. Cause it's one of those things that he doesn't. And a lot of players do this. A lot of past players, a lot of people, a, a lot of people love to tell you what they did. And that's uh, their way of, con- uh, of connecting to you is I did this. I was here. So I know what I'm talking about and listen to me. And that's really not him at all. It was one of those things like he doesn't need to tell you that he played in the league. He doesn't need to tell you how long he's been a coach for. You kind of just know it. And there's that respect level that comes with knowing how long he's been around and, and what he says. And so he's not a guy that needs to tell you everything about himself, but there is a calmness to him. We know that when he was in the league, he was a really good defender, um, physical guy. So when he's telling us he need to be a physical defender and get up in a guy's guys are like, okay, this guy, he, he used to do it. He knows what he's talking about. Um, so he's been great for us. You know, we're just, I feel like a lot more organized guys know where they're supposed to be. We're running place for four specific guys. And um, defensively, we seem to be really connected. Uh, I got to go back. Uh, I got to, we got to go do this Maryland thing. Uh, but before that, I, I, I have to tell you, I honestly, last night I'm watching the Mets lose again to the Braves. And I'm like, who the hell is this Ian Anderson kid? So I look him up and I'm like, holy, he went to the same high school. That's where Herder went to high school. How the hell do you say your high school's name? Shenandoah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Shen. Everyone up there, it's just Shen. Okay. So you can just call it Shen. And then, like, are you right past like Saratoga? We are just, yep, just south of Saratoga, between Saratoga and Albany. So when people ask where I'm from, I say Albany. If they know it, I say Saratoga. If they know that, I'll say Clifton Park. All right. Good man. Um, Hold on. Hold on. Saratoga. I I got Maryland stuff too. But before we get to that, the Maryland stuff isn't as important as this. You're getting ready to play in the. Okay. Wait. You got something? (laughs) No, no. Go, 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 go. You're you're getting ready to play in the Eastern Conference final. And as you're sitting there, you're coming off what you just did in this game. And you see how, you know, hunting shots, being aggressive, this and that. Uh, impacted your team's success. And I'm, is that, do you, how does that impact, if at all, kind of the approach that you personally bring and the belief that you personally bring to the most important games that you will have played in your life? Yeah, I mean, my, my approach has to be aggressiveness. And that's always, it's not always aggressiveness to score. Um, you know, the way our team is, it's, you know, guys don't have to play what you know out of themselves you know you got to stay within yourself you got to stay within your strengths and you know in that specific game it was our my matchup for uh, offensively was was the advantage and so as long as I'm aggressive offensively whether it's hunting shots whether it's looking to get guys involved that's really just what our team needs from me some nights it's going to be scoring some nights it's going to be distributing um as you've seen with so many different guys step up game by game that's really just got to be my approach. You know, I can't allow myself to get out of the rhythm of the game. Like, like happening game five, you know, I, I get seven shots the first half and don't take one the second half. A lot of that is, you know, my aggressiveness and, and allowing the rhythm of the game to kind of pass by. Um, it probably can't happen moving forward. We talked to Duncan Robinson last year in the bubble and he, this was a, 
it was a round further, wasn't it, Steve? I think they were in the finals at that point. Yeah. But he talked about having to be con- like his Spolster had to basically yell at him and tell him, like, you're hurting us when you don't take shots, you know? And I guess what it was really about was allowing yourself to believe that not that you belong so much that not only do you belong, but you're supposed to be doing what you're talking about. Has that been a process for you to get to where you were on Sunday night? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit of that change in mindset of, I guess, being a guy that your team needs to rely on in a big moment, Um, especially this early, I guess, in my career. And with all the, again, with all the injuries we've had, and, um, you know, I didn't start in the next series and coming off the bench and all of a sudden now we're in the next series in a game seven and guys are hurt and, you know, bogey's banged up. It's all of a sudden like, Hey, like we need you to shoot. You know, this is, it's kind of your turn to shoot for us. Um, so it is a little bit different. Like I said, it's in a lot of ways, we have a lot of guys who are really good playing against playing with each other. So we have a lot of different roles and guys who can do different things. So, like I said, it's not always going to be me game by game. It just, you, you got to stick with the aggressiveness, even when shots aren't falling. I have one last one about this playoffs. And then we have very important college park questions. I'm sure Absolutely. to get to. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you as a group not allow this next series to be house money? Cause I look at a Bucks team that like they've had the two-time MVP. They've been down this road. This is new to you all. And I'm not saying you're satisfied. I'm, I don't know what you guys think day to day. But if you did, I wouldn't fault you for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, what you just did is, is already a hell of an accomplishment. So how does the room collectively look at each other and say, this is four wins. I mean, excuse me, we've had eight wins. 16 gets us a parade. So how do you not let eight be uh, a, a result that's like just this series was enough? I mean, we didn't do it going in the last series. You know, the last series could have been the same. You know, we're gotcha. going in playing against the number one seed and – you know, you know, you beat the Knicks. Great. Your team isn't, you guys are still a couple of years away. I mean, we, we know the narrative. It's like, it's not like you guys can talk about stuff and, and everybody, everything that's out there. And we don't know what people are saying. It's um, we could have beat the Knicks and, and got beaten four in Philly. And I wrote like, Hey, great season. You know, next year we'll be better type of thing. And um, I mean, it's just the hunger, like it's in our locker room. We feel like we're a really good team and there's, there's no excuse why we can't be beating this team. We go into game one in Philly and we, for most part of that game, we had it handled. We're up 20 and, you know, let it get away from us at the end. But, I mean, we showed dominance in this playoffs where no one thought that you know, we could show dominance. It doesn't matter what age we have of guys. We have the right mix of, of young and old. Um, and this Bucks team is really good. I mean, just like Philly was really good, just like the Knicks were really good. And just a new challenge for us, and, um, and we'll figure it out. Um, I want to get to the recruiting and all that, Kevin, but I've – just reading up on you and watching the stories and knowing it for a while and hearing Pelt talk about you since you went to Maryland. I want to go back. Your dad went to Siena. You're obviously from, you know, upper New York and, you know, Fran McCaffrey is the coach at Siena and you're a ball boy for Fran McCaffrey and his sons are ball boys and you're there underneath the hoop every game, you know, for every, you know, and then he goes to Iowa and I got recruited as a football player. My most hated thing about recruiting is having to tell those guys no. Knowing how close you were to Fran McCaffrey, how, how, how much were you dreading that situation? And, like, what did that conversation, you know, go like? I mean, I can't imagine that was easy. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I dreaded different conversations more than when I had to tell him no. It was – we were extremely close with them growing up. Yeah. Um, it seemed like my whole life revolved around Santa basketball and – 
Connor and Patrick are actually coming out to game two here in Milwaukee. Awesome. Um, so, so they'll be out to that, but they kind of knew, you know, I went out there in ninth grade and saw the campus. That was like, I guess my first unofficial, unofficial visit. Um, when you were and, in eighth grade, right? Yep. When I was in eighth grade <laughs> and, um, and we just kind of told them it was too far. You know, I think for my parents having to fly out there, I was, a, it's a tough place to get to. Um, especially from Albany, it's a tough place to get out to. And, um, and they kind of knew, we said, Hey, listen, like, we love your, we love you guys. You know, we're, we're close, but it's just too far. And they, he understood. And he just told me, he's like, he's always going to have a spot here. Just let me know if, you know, stuff don't work out. And unfortunately I was in the same conference as him, but, um, that wasn't, they didn't make it tough on me. Okay. All right. Now over 20 offers, you mentioned your top 50 player. Is it true you were 6'7", 170 at one point? Probably. I think when I went into Maryland, I was I was about like 180 when I got there. And mm-hmm. you know, to start my freshman year, I think I was up at 195. So I was I was a tall, skinny kid for real. I mean, I still am, but it's gotten a little bit better. Why Maryland? Just had the right mix of everything. Um, felt really comfortable with their coaching staff. They were – they're one of the few teams who actually saw me on my high school team. You know, that was, they heard about me first. Um, you know, I hadn't got a lot of interest until I started that AU season um, after my junior year. And that's where all the interest picked up and Maryland had already been there. It was close enough that, you know, I was far enough away from home, but you know, I had people that could come down and see me. And it was only six hours and it was right outside of a big city. I'm from Albany. It's, it's not a big city that it seemed like there was a lot going on. Yeah, the Under Armour sponsorship. I mean, all the gear. And it was kind of just the right, the right mix of everything. And I think one of the things that sold it for us was, you know, for me at the time, it was like Maryland's a basketball school. And, you know, football is great. We all want football to win. But for me, it was like we were at a – we went to a football game during my visit, and it was like people were leaving the stands to come up to get in line to meet all of us. And I was recruiting. I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. And um, they are really good. I think the year I visited, they're pre-ranked number two in the country. Um, so just had the right mix of everything. It felt like home. I knew I was going to play there relatively early, whether that was starting or come off the bench. And that was obviously really important for me. I want the record to state that that was all Stanford Steve questions. None of that, none of that uh, propaganda was absolutely, I didn't feed any of that propaganda. I just want, (laughs) I just want to get in on the college park quiz with the important stuff. Um, okay. This nothing shows your age more than the answer to this question. And maybe I mean my age. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go out to celebrate. I always say, let's go to Bentley's. The The younger folks say Bentley's, Cornerstone, or other? It's Bentley's. I mean, Cornerstone, Cornerstone's like a Wednesday's maybe. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it was like the Happy Turtle, whatever. Like now it's Terrapin and Turf. That was a big one for all of us going when I was a freshman, but it's still Bentley's. Everyone's, everyone knows it's Bentley's. Correct answer given. Uh, Kevin Herter yes. got the first question correct. What was your go-to pizza in College Park? Pizza Bullies. It was right across the street from our – I'm not a Lido's guy. I know that's what everyone whoa, wants to say. Whoa. The- I, was, I was not a Lido's guy. We, I tried it multiple times. For me, it was, it was Pizza Bullies. All right. Well, and Stanford Steve came down. He moved down here with me. His daughters, they, they the girls like Lido's, right, Steve? Yeah. Right. Kevin, it's they're got- also seven, four, and one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they have no choice, right? Exactly. Kind of. All right. They like it because it's the small squares. You know how that works. Yeah, they, they, they sell that on everybody. 
Yeah, you can uh, eat like 20 pieces. I have one more. Uh, I guess I I'm more. not a square. I'm not a square pizza guy. I'm a triangle there you go. pizza guy. There you Whatever. Go. New York, there you go. the New York, um, the New York pizza arrogance bleeds in. Go ahead, Steve. I'll let you take, I'll let you Scott take it from here. But I've heard you um talk about Vince Carter and how much he loves golf. Does Vince Carter love golf more than Scott Van Pelt loves Maryland? Yes, Vince. <laughs> at this point, is like Vince golf's like six out of seven days a week. It's actually seven a day. You said. I mean, it has to be. And this wow. guy, he literally golfs every day. We're on this app, you know. We're on this app that we, you know, we can share scores and we can see when he play. And it's like every single morning, I was getting an update that Vince Carter was starting around. And I get to the gym later today. I'm like, I'm like, you played this morning? And he's like, he's like, of course. It was like he was looking at me like I was crazy. This guy, he's he's nonstop. I don't know how he does it. I, I have one more idiotic College Park question, but just events, just his career spanned an era when he was truly the guy that was the guy on SportsCenter, right? And by the time he's on the tail end of it, he's sort of like this Yoda, right? He's seen and done it all. I just, I just wonder, obviously you guys are your boys and you, you know, you, he's bombarding you with golf scores and all that crap but just how how much do you get from a guy like that just it's the source of he's, he's like a bottomless well he is i mean he was for the time he was with us he was he was literally like the dad of the team it was like he was like <laughs> the age difference was so much different but like everybody was cool with vince and like vince was it was almost like he was between the coaching staff and 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 the players, it was, he was like the middle yeah, ground. And yes. I mean, he was, he was awesome. It was like, he knew every coach in the league. He knew every scheme. Um, he knew every arena. He knew every single place you went. He knew every security guy. It was just like, everybody knew Vince. Vince knew everybody. He was just a really, really good guy. Obviously you can imagine the stories from him. Mm. Um, I mean, just the guys that I've been able to be around early in my career. I mean, you take Vince, even you know Rondo for the for the quick time we had him here a couple months you know his stories now we got Lou um you brought some some OGs into our locker room and it's uh <laughs> it's been a lot of fun learning from these guys we'll leave it there uh, I can, I'm gonna ask this question just because I'm curious we can take it out Travis uh, did you have a car on campus when you were at Maryland <sighs> that's actually a funny story so okay you, well you then we're gonna leave it in the podcast go ahead <laughs> So my parents, so I begged for a car, obviously my senior year, my freshman year at Maryland, I did not have a car. So then we get into, it's, I'm halfway through my sophomore season at Maryland and finally they give in. So they're like, so they, they lease me and my brother, two cars, they get my mom, like sells her, they lease two of ours. And, um, so I get it in about March. And so I didn't pay for parking anywhere. I would like, I was a guy I'd throwing my hazards, going to class. And I'm like running out to make sure I don't get towed. And it, it actually worked for a couple months. So I get, I, like I said, I got that car in March. All of a sudden I get drafted now in June after begging for a car for two years. So I had a Honda pilot, an SUV. So I drove that my, my rookie year here with the Hawks. Cause I, I didn't want to make them buy me a car and then not use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I held on to it until my sisters could drive. And then I passed it down to her and got myself one. I take back all that stuff I said about people heckling you on the internet. If they knew that you, <laughs> if they you knew you drove a Honda Pilot your rookie year in the NBA, it would have been merciless what you did dealt with the other night. Well, my question was actually going to be about Maryland and how many. What was the most you ever gotten tickets? But if you're telling me that the hazard light actually worked and you didn't get tickets, no, nah, it was on. working. I swear, I like I'd like park outside of class, throwing the hazards, and, and I never like, got tickets. 
Never, not once. It'd give me an hour. I would get tickets from like the streetlights. You know, you're driving in across from oh, Rito's. There's that, there's oh. that streetlight right when you're driving into campus. But no, it, it worked for me. I mean, the best part about that car in my rookie year is that it was free. And that's all I'm going to say. It was free. And I was driving it and my parents paid for it. They, they never asked for a bill and I paid for gas. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you doing this. And I'm, you know, like, you know, the Maryland thing is interesting. It's hard to explain to people from that don't get it. I think it's I would say it's like being it's like a disease you can't get rid of. If you're a Terp, you're a Terp forever. Yeah. And you know of that uh, you and Bruno down there, I, I, I'm always kind of I'm pulling for you guys. And watching you play the night was just a blast, man. Turge mm-hmm. told me from the time you got there, this dude's got a ton of confidence. And you put it on display the other night. And now, I mean, stage doesn't get a whole lot bigger than this. So go have a blast. Thanks for sharing some time with uh, with me and Steve. And uh, I hope our paths cross soon. All right. For sure. Thank you guys for having me on. Meanwhile, Stanford Steve. Some people were just handing out winners last week. No big deal. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, it really took really took a, a genius to hand out the favorite. But I got to tell you, I'm one for one on favorites. I might just go chalkity, chalk, chalk, chalk. I was going to say, winning, winning can change a lot of things, my man. <laughs> my my tried and true philosophy out the window. But look, if if you watched Tory Pines, and I, I get the feeling that I mean, it's a decent rank, I mean, ranking. Uh, the ratings are pretty good. The, the game seven's got tremendous numbers. But a West Coast major is always going to be interesting. The leaderboard was bananas in terms of so many young stars in the mix. And then the best way to win is to win the way John Rom did. And what I mean by that is simply he went there and he grabbed it. Mm-hmm. He All he did on, on a day where people were making messes and holes was hit fairways and greens. He missed so many birdies coming down the stretch that I thought he'd make, and I thought maybe he missed his chance. But then he buries a birdie on 17 to tie. Then he buries a birdie on 18. And he can't know that Ustazen is making a mess behind him. But that's how you want to win a major. No one's going to complain if you win because somebody runs into a ditch. But that's not really what happened. Rom won because he birdied the 71st in his 72nd holes. To, To really stamp himself exactly what a lot of people, myself included, thought he was, which is a major champion. Solly and I from No Laying Up were joking on on text. He's like, I guess it was inevitable. Because last week I said, look, it's inevitable this guy wins a major. And his point, and he wasn't wrong, is no such thing as inevitable in golf. He's right. It's You could you could be a guy that just doesn't work. I just think the talent that Rom has is going to show itself, and it did on a, on a day and on a course where you needed to have your best to be standing at the end. Yeah, I go back to the opportunities. Uh, whenever you – Rom's always going to go – it just feels like he's always got the most chances. And I thought it was interesting, you know, Saturday. I, I don't know him. I don't know his mindset, but you could tell he knew, you know, it was – his good was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And and on the broadcast, I just found it funny that, like, when, when Ustazen's at five, they're just like, oh, yeah, look at him, just cool collective – you know, par and away. And I'm like, there's no way five is winning this. Ron, keep firing until he gets to six. Like, Louie has to do something here. 
and then obviously, you know, the 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 drive um into I don't even what do you call those bushes? Is that the right word? I mean, it was it was a ravine filled with it was bad stuff, and he still almost made par from where yep. he was, which. I mean, Ustazen now has finished second. I want to say it's like six times on his own, which is crazy. He, he's the kind of guy that from now on in any major that you turn up at, if you don't mention his name, you're going to look dumb because he's got the kind of game that rarely leaves him and is always going to give him a chance, particularly when it's difficult. So, I mean, Ustazen is one of those, just put him in the top 20 and every, every time you want to take a flyer on something. And you're bound to land with that. But it was the, it was fun. And the most incredible thing to me, and, and I can't even process it still. And look, I, I know that it's, it's hard to do justice in real time when you're trying to keep tabs on all the storylines that are in play. But I felt like what happened to Bryson DeChambeau should have been like its own miniseries. Mm. The man almost made a hole-in-one on the eighth hole and took the lead. That means there are 10 holes left in this major, and the reigning champion has the lead, and he's standing on the tee of a par five. He finished tied for 26th, nine shots off the winning score. That's hard to do in 10 holes for someone as talented as him. It was I don't even know the right word. I, I still can't process what happened to him from 9T. Again, leading, par mm-hmm. 5, reigning champ, hits at 8 miles to tie 26 over the course of 10 holes. Hard to do. Well, I, I mean, obviously, the, the people that don't like Bryson obviously start firing away with his post-round match from Saturday where he's talking about how confident he is and how he handled the crowd and all that, and then – I. I mean, it just makes you think like, man, I can't imagine how long those nine holes must have felt for him uh, as he's going through it. Yeah. But like you you always say it, you know, you got to be your best for four days. You have to be your If you want any chance of winning, and obviously, you know, Bryce would be the first person to tell you it wasn't. But to watch that unravelment, like, and it's just, you know, you know how you know different ways they pop up the scoreboard. You know they'll show the top five, top ten, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, he's not in the top ten. He's not in the top fifty. He's not even on the first scroll of fives. It's like, man, it and it he shot forty four, forty four on the back nine. Like you go out to your local muni, your local club. Most guys shoot forty four. You're fine. Like I get it. Some of you guys can play. Uh, you'd be bummed out. Yeah. Forty four is fine, man. You make some bars. Maybe get a look at a birdie. We're scraping a couple bogues. We head on in and have a couple suds and a sandwich and go on home. We're good. <laughs> Not when you're leading as the reigning champion. You got a chance to put yourself in some truly elite company. If you go back to back, you're thinking about Hogan and Curtis Strange and Kepka. And it's just, it's a small list, man. And, and it all went wrong um, in, in a hurry. But I thought that was fun. Awesome. You and me. Side by side and Dewey posted late, up starboard late. starboard raw shot to our guy Monty down there watching oh, game seven of the Bucks, which was incredible. The game, their game against the Nets was incredible. Durant earned so much respect slash love in a loss. 
I thought the Bucks had an answer for every punch thrown in the fourth, which was the most impressive thing to me. Cause I kept thinking down five, if they have, if they, if the nets get one stop, they're going to win. Mm. And the bucks drew holiday. Couldn't shoot Middleton. Couldn't shoot. And then they both took giant shots and made them. Giannis can, can silence a lot of the critics uh, with what they were able to do. And that was amazing. And at the same time, we're watching the lightning and the Islanders and the Islanders are about to see a three, nothing lead evaporate and just an incredible play late by the Islanders to hold on to that. And that's like you and we're, we're posting up watching that in real time. And, uh, that was good. I enjoyed that buddy. Yeah. Being, being social. Yeah. Oh, was it, were you drinking IPAs? What was that? No, we, we were mixing all over. We, we, we were at everything, everything. There you, cooking. Go. There you go. Mixing. Yeah. Kids, don't mix. <laughs> don't mix, kids. Uh, we made curfew, though. That was most important. Did you miss curfew maybe earlier that weekend, buddy? No, I don't think so. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not – it's none of my business. I just right. – I got, you know, I got maybe some late texts and pictures of you, know, you out and about. I've seen that look. That fun, okay. that, that good, good time down at the beach. Uh, yep. From Stanford, Steve and I. I need to go back. It's, it's not. The, the, you got to get the drive right. That's a yeah. very important drive to get right. I did not get the down or back correct, and it takes way too long, and it gets very frustrating. Yeah, uh, I have xed out not um, travel. Thursday's only going there. There you go. If, if you're not going on Thursday, don't even bother. Veteran move. Yeah, veteran move. I try. Uh, all right. Uh, what else do you have for me? I got a question for you. All right. Those are important. Um, it has to do with what I hate. Well, then, Travis, this would be a good time to hit that production. Steve and I have lengthy lists. Talk about this guy or this thing or this whatever. Once a week. One thing a week. Here's what I hate. I hate paper straws and we need to do something about it very very fast now i know we got these people out there that are you know coming up with ideas for apps but i think there's got to be some kind of material and i know the plastic isn't good for the world and we're getting away from it there's got to be a better option for paper straw scott i mean it does i mean down in the beach at the heat i mean they don't even last a couple minutes in the drink and i'm not talking about me i'm talking about for the kids they pull the straws out and they're 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 hanging in the drinks because they melt away. It's too hot and the cold and the water and the drinks. We got it. We got to do something about paper straws. Can't have them. I started to say America, but this is bigger than America. Uh, this this is. Yeah. I'm speaking to the world. Somebody out there fix the straw situation because Steve's right, uh, and, and we care about the world. I think if you know anything about Steve and I, it's that we care deeply about the environment. <laughs> We've made that. I shouldn't laugh. I, mean, you know, I, I, I do, but like, I, don't, I care about I don't, the environment that's around I, me when my family's out to eat and we're just trying to get a meal in and get just, the hell out of here. We can't have meltdowns before the food comes and the drinks come and, and the drink straws are withering away before the food comes. And here's the thing that's about not the way to do it. Here's the thing about people that don't have younger kids. You're saying to yourself right now, we'll just take the top off and drink without the straw. That 
is not an option. So before Rockhold, Mr. You Can't Wear Unmatching Socks weighs Keep in about just, muted. just take the top off the drink. A child can't be trusted without a top on a drink because he or she will pour it all over himself, the table, the lap, an adjacent diner. I mean, it, it just it, you need to have a secure top on the beverage. And the straw situation is bad. And I I just I have a I have a question for the world, really. Can't like I get that there's some plastic things that are bad, but can't we just all have those big McDonald's straws, those big yeah. ones that you get so much drink and it makes like the perfect mix? The McDonald's straw is part of the reason why the McDonald's fountain drink is so good. There's a lot of reasons behind it. I actually read an article once about why they have an interesting mix. Me too. The, they, they, they have an interesting mix with the syrup and the carbonation, but also pipes are refrigerated. Too. There you go. Refrigerated pipes and a different mix. That's part of the reason. The other part of the reason is the straw. So what I would suggest is while Steve and I care greatly about the environment, we care a little bit more about the straw. And I think, I think that I, I think McDonald's straws across the board. Just everybody should just go to McDonald's straws and we'll figure out the ocean dumpage and those big things where there's ocean things where they have a lot of plastic. Yeah. But it's probably not the straws. No. So we're good there. So I I hate them too. Okay. I haven't had any of those lately. Oh, they, uh, you didn't go out enough. That's um, true. You, when, they'll I, find, I, I, they'll, don't worry. They'll find you. This summer, they will paper straws will find you. Okay. Um, uh, anything other, else? Yeah. Oh, oh, it's important. Yeah. Everybody's uh, all happy and sending out their pictures. Summer started. Best summer reading in the world. These college football preview magazines. Can you tell me the percentage of valuable information in there? compared to not valuable information? Um, I, I, I know what you're getting at here. Um, because, I, go ahead. All right. Now, the Bible, the, when I was a kid, it was Street and Smith's. I'm mm -hmm. dating myself, but if you remember Street and Smith's, that was the Bible. And you'd pick them all up. And, and Phil Steele's uh, magazine is the one that we, we all get it and swear by it. And it's, and it's got information in there that's valuable. I would just say, and I, I don't want to speak for you. I don't need to know that a guy was the public school 28 safety in 2012, right? It's 2021. I, I'm, I don't need to, re, I don't need the retrospective. I don't need the reflection. There's a lot of past stuff in there and there's a lot of good new stuff too. Nobody's got as much new stuff, but there's a lot of stuff. PS 28 safety class yeah. 12. All right. That guy's got a job now. He's running <laughs> a company. Okay. I, I, I would just that like what you're people, getting that. Yeah. I just like people to really like, why are you so excited? Because you could send a picture out that you have a magazine because there's way uh, more places to get information that's going to help you for the coming season, I think is what I want. I mean, we got places like The Athletic. We got Bill Connolly for ESPN now. That has, His preview stuff is awesome. 
But I just, I don't know what the, because I want people to tell me 10 things that they, send them to me. I don't care. But you won't learn 10 things. And nobody reads that thing cover to cover. And the most disappointing thing is, is I can't open up a magazine and have to read a key for what 100 terms are before I read the magazine. I don't have that much time. Guy's got a fight. This guy's fighting a straw fight, man. He didn't. He didn't have a time for a glossary. I know. Just, well, you know what? I everybody just give me the schedules and like you know some other stuff. I don't know All what right. else. I don't know what else I need. One more important thing. All right. Because our boy almost almost got it last week at 151. Degenerate Gordon, uh, who's our researcher. Um, he's got his uh, first round leaders for the fifth major this week at the Travelers. The, what was my? What was the guy's name last week? Cameron Young. Yeah. And when that guy got to two under. <laughs> How'd your Twitter my, feed do? A lot of eyeballs. A lot of big eyeballs looking at Cameron Young at two under. And it's like, all right, I'm, I, we, we have, I have it on. And I was rooting hard for it to happen because oh. I, I, I don't know what I said I'd do, but I mean, I just would have, I, I would have just bought my way out of it. I would have just, I would have just bought my, that's a hundred percent of what I would have done, which right. by the way, in retrospect, if we look back on Luke Combs, who was great when he was on his, he basically lost a bet to like his bass player and just bought out of it. Didn't he? Yeah. Is yeah, that what he did. He did? yeah. That's proof that if you're rich enough, you could just go, just <laughs> tell me, just start peeling off honeybees and say, tell me when I get to, we're good here. If he hits one, you should just have to have a leper with him. That's all. Gordo. Yeah. All right. Well, not the size of the, that he does. I understand, but okay. Give us, give us the, uh, give us the uh, first his round first leader. round leaders for this week are Abraham Answer around thirty to one, and here we go, one hundred fifty to one. Chase Seifert. All right, that's it. The Travelers, right? Fifth, fifth major, fifth, fifth major. Cromwell. Right. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast. What better way to end the podcast than a first round leader that my bootleg site doesn't offer? <laughs> give them hell. We'll talk to you next week.